Come on and join me on the B-side When movie stars they weren't in their prime Made all the movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast for the Film Stage website. As always, I'm Dan Mecca here with Connor O'Donnell. And as always, we talk about movie stars. Not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And I guess, is this a happy new year, Connor? Is this our technically I guess our techni- first? Yeah, technically. Because we took a little an Without getting into holiday. the semantics of how long you can say happy new year, I suppose, well, yes. It's in, a, yes. Yeah, this is our first, our first episode the of the new year, indeed. Yeah, So, but it is. And so, yeah. and we wanted to bring out the big guns for our first episode. And, and so we did. And we're talking about Michelle Pfeiffer, who was a listener's choice, yes. Connor? Yes, yes, yep. And um, our... Our amazing guest is Veronica Fitzpatrick, co-host of the amazing Bright Wall Darkroom podcast and a film professor at Brown University. So she's here to literally school us on Pfeiffer and also other kind of adjacent film things as we're wont to do. Uh, Veronica, how are you? Thank you for being here. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, let me just say, Brightwell Darkroom, big fans. We've talked about it. We've talked on Twitter, what have you. Yeah, thank you. Um, we, I feel like... I've listened to most of the episodes. Fran Hoffner is a frequent guest. She came mm-hmm. on our film stage show to talk about Tar, mm-hmm. uh, which I actually hosted that episode. That was a great conversation. And many moons ago, you talked about the Phil Juno, Kim Basinger, Richard yes. Gere, like not Vertigo, Vertigo movie, final analysis. And I feel like I said to you, I was like, oh, Come on the B-side one time. We'll talk about And so yeah. we're not talking about that movie, but you will, if you have a good enough time to now, you'll come back to talk about <laughs> like the Basinger B-sides or we'll talk yeah, about No Mercy. Yeah, we could have a terrible time and I would yeah. come back to talk about No Mercy. Absolutely. No Mercy, Final Analysis. Uh, yeah. Boxing Helena, which ended up she oh, not getting made, which yeah. is a crazy story. I have um, her ex-husband's um, biography behind me on one of these shelves right now. Wait, it's, you talking about Mr. Baldwin? It's killer. No, no, I can't remember his name off the top, but it's the other, like the her. Other yeah, no, it's one of the two hairdressers that sure. she actually was involved with. Well, look, when you have yeah. her hair. I mean, I mean, you know, much like a J.C. Bring situation. or Leave it to the pros. And you got to lock it in, you know, when you find a good thing like that. You just was it, take was no chances. Yeah. In shampoo, he's playing JC Bring. His name is George Roundy, something like that. Oh, is it? Oh, the shampoo. character yeah. in shampoo? George something. Great, great movie. He's basically playing like a JC Bring type of a character who famously died. Yes, in the right. La Bianca murders. Right. Emil Hirsch played him in the Tarantino movie. Anyway, okay. So Michelle Pfeiffer is the subject. Um now. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way because I always forget to do this quick. The four movies we're going to focus on are the Alan Alda directed Sweet Liberty from, I, so it's 1985, I believe. Yes. 86. And 86, apologies. 1986, Sweet Liberty. 1988, Tequila Sunrise. 1994, Wolf. And 1999, The Deep 
end of the ocean, which let me just say was my suggestion. And I don't know why I suggested that. <laughs> I, have, I have two so small children. I have, in fact, I have two oh, boys. Really? Two boys. Yeah. Who are like very close in age. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like watching this movie. I'm like texting Connor. I'm like, dude, I don't think I can finish this. And you watched like, it. You finished watching it. This was the last one that I watched of the four. And like. Me too. And, and it. And, but what I, was I thinking? I, know, I was like, and watching when I finally this movie, watched it, I was like, "Yeah, what's the matter?" And with like you? child, tra- <laughs> like child trauma now for me, and I, you know, call me a, you know, call me a wimp or whatever. I don't care. But like, sure. Now it's just, I, it's just a no go, right? Like skin yeah. rinks out, and I'm like, nope. Kids are alone in a house. Sorry, I'm so happy it got made. Happy for that guy. Cost two two dollars to make it. Great. Never gonna watch it. Like kids are <laughs> kids are stuck in a house, couldn't pay me, right? This, so I, I turned this movie on. And I'm like, though, I forgot the first thirty minutes is her like losing a kid. That's and like the not most. That is the, the most oh, traumatizing brutal. part. The movie sure. isn't quite about that. Though, well, right? and but I'll like, say in fairness, and we'll get into it. Obviously, the movie had always stuck with me because when I was young, I watched it, and I always, I always remembered the second half because mm. I always thought it was such an interesting. It's just an interesting, like, whether or not it succeeds, we'll get into, but it's an interesting, like, you know, in point for a movie like that. And um, there's a lot to be said about it. And obviously the Oprah book club of it all and mm-hmm. and Michelle Pfeiffer making a lot of those types of movies, which we'll get into. But anyway, um, all right. So Veronica, let me ask you, Michelle Pfeiffer, where did you come in, like in your life? Where was Pfeiffer? What was your first Pfeiffer? What's your favorite Pfeiffer? What do you think? Yeah, I think first might have been Dangerous Liaisons. Right. Oh, okay. Um, 88. Love mm. her. Um, and the thing I like about Michelle Pfeiffer so much, I was really trying to pin this down in my mind today, is that she's so sort of delicate right. and does wholesome and virtuous in this really convincing way but then she has this kind of like flintiness Mm. that just seems super worldly and sophisticated um and so you really buy it when she uh has a certain kind of eroticism so also age of innocence huge fan oh my god i mean that probably like really sealed the deal especially because when i read the novel um she's described so differently physically from Michelle Pfeiffer's kind of blonde, like like flaxen kind of appearance. Um, she I think she has like auburn hair or something. Mm. It's the opposite coloring of her and Winona right. Ryder in the novel versus the film, the characters. Um, but then obviously Batman returns sure. to just like a totally iconic performance for me as a kid. The, all the latex. I mean, I think anyone would probably say the same. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to. It would. It would be disingenuous in the year of our Lord 2023 to say, I mean, that has to be her most iconic role, right? I was thinking about yeah, this. Like, I, yeah, definitely. I mean, what is, what is even close? I mean, Scarface, I guess Scarface maybe. Elvira, yeah. the Elvira character, maybe that's close. I mean... Um, but even that is. I mean, Sweet Liberty is up there. <laughs> we um, all remember where we were. It was Sweet I mean, Liberty. Yeah, I the character of Faith Healy in Sweet Liberty. We're always talking about her. Um, I can't. I can't turn the corner in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania, without someone asking me. Um, but so, but so, yeah. I mean, I guess I was trying to think about this myself, Michelle Pfeiffer, in my. Well, yeah, weirdly, Deep End of the Ocean is an early one for me because I would have been mm. still a kid, but it was mm-hmm. very, very formative for whatever reason. We always kind of say on this podcast, my mom, mm. Julie, Julie Mecca, 
uh, you know, we stand a legend. She would past always, and future guests, Julie. Yes, yeah, yeah. a friend of the show. She, nice. would, she would actually, Julie would fight you over talking about no mercy in final analysis, actually. Um, what was I going to say? So she, my mom would always get, she would always get the blockbuster rental and then either watch them or not. And then they'd mm. be lingering and I would always watch them, right? So it was always like, you know, like movies like Gods and Monsters, mm. Deep End of the Ocean. Cool. Um, you know, like those type of movies, like kind of, you know what I mean? Like, and so yeah. I watched a lot of those movies and I probably was a scotch too young, but I obviously count my blessings because they were really, I think, formative for me. But other than that movie, and I guess Batman Returns, but I was never that into those movies when I was younger. Um, yeah, it would, it would probably be... Um, it would probably be... And this is another Julie Mecca thing. It would have been Wolf. Mm. Sure. Wolf was an early one for me, too. So maybe those wow. are the two that jump right, out. Mom. And then I kind of... Dis- Dangerous Liaisons later on. Mm-hmm. Um, to Kill a Sunrise later on. And um, and then even Scarface, I guess maybe. But but once again, I'm not a huge fan of Scarface as much as I love De Palma. That's kind of one of my least favorite of his mm-hmm. films. But um, And then Connor, what about you? Is it Batman Returns? Well, I'm a big... I'm a big I'll give fan it to me. Love Field? Love Field? of Charlie Chan and the Dragon Queen, <laughs> obviously, and Love Field. No, it was Batman Returns. Of course it was. Charlie Chan. Um, <laughs> which guy, let me tell you, I watched Charlie Chan yeah, and the Dragon no, Queen. No, just we're not, the less said about it, the better. Well, well, so let me just, I'll let me give some quick um, Pfeiffer coming in to the world. And this is, I think, pretty well documented. I, let me recommend our friends, Gavin and Louie at the Mix Reviews, did a great episode about her whole career um, mm-hmm. as they want to do and so i'd recommend that and also our friends over at uh this had this had oscar buzz did a great episode on a super b-side called a thousand acres um hmm. from 97 directed by jocelyn morehouse which is based on the Pulitzer prize-winning jane smiley novel and it's basically a adaptation of king lear in which hmm. Jessica Lang and Michelle Pfeiffer play um, the two older sisters, and Jennifer Jason Lee plays um, Cordelia, even though her name in the movie is uh, Caroline. Anyway, I'll briefly talk about that movie, maybe. But um, so just recommending those two kind of great podcasts and what they cover, and obviously help with some of this research. So she comes in, um, she's a model, she's a beauty pageant winner, she's Miss Orange County. Her nickname. At the start of her career, I don't know if you guys know this, was literally the face, right? That was what people called her. Her first big movie was Grease 2. Before that, she was in Charlie Chan and the Curse of the Dragon Queen and Hollywood Nights or The Hollywood Nights. I watched that um, one too. She she literally plays Susie Q. Yeah. Um, both of those movies, she's literally a kind of ditzy blonde bombshell. Grease 2 kind of more subversive than i think people remember i think that movie has grown in a lot of people's estimation over time not a hit but a big profile release it basically gets her on the board she astonishes in her auditions for scarface um which is which is she, probably the big like well that's the big li- moment that's Pacino the line of demarcation really, of like yeah she really didn't want her yeah. um i believe is what i've heard mm-hmm. her say and what have you but she gets the role Huge hit. Um, you know, kind of a diminishing role. I think she's pretty good in it. Like, I didn't rewatch it for this, obviously. 
Do you, what do you think about that movie, Veronica Scarface? It's also not my favorite, De Palma. It's yeah. pretty low on the list, actually. And I feel like yeah. what it, it's known for more now is the kind of Tumblrfication of uh, her sure. style. In sure. that, which is totally justified. I oh, mean, sure. It's style, like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. classic, you know? Um, no, yeah, but, that's definitely true. I thought you were going to, like, the college dorm room part of it is also, oh, like, another yeah. unfortunate. Well, that's just the poster, I feel like. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like that opposite Klimt, but yeah. <laughs> Klimt, yeah. Scarface is like, is, is the almost in a fight clubby kind of way mm. it is it's, it's it is, a yeah. poster child of like did you watch the movie like, sure. do, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah because well, obviously is... hip-hop culture gets a lot of criticism for its right it's a common refrain which i'm always like whatever like i always think that's always like too it's too easy of a criticism yeah, it's, it's sort of it's an easy out writ large but, but i will it's, say it's it just does, yeah i w- I, the, I watched it for the like rewatched it for this for the first time in years and while I still don't really love it, I was like, oh, it is like a little better than I like remember sure. mm-hmm. in, my, in, my, in my brain. I'm sure but. I'd feel that way if, if I went back. So, I mean, yeah, that's the big moment. And then and then she's kind of on the board. Right. And I think mm-hmm. for the next few years, she's going to fight the kind of very misogynistic, you know, completely unsurprising, like she's too beautiful to be good at acting thing. And I think mm-hmm. she's talked openly about fighting against that. She makes John Landis's kind of weird misfire into the night with Jeff Goldblum, which I would recommend watching. It's kind of an insane movie, but, but certainly worth the experience that same year in 85. She does Richard Donner's, excuse me, Lady Hawk, which isn't a hit when it comes out, but I think by now is kind of beloved by people like Connor O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just going to do a quick, like 45 seconds on Lady Hawk. That definitely, I think my first, obviously, experience. Rucker Hauer. Matthew my first Broderick. experience with her was Batman Returns, but I did watch Lady Hawk at like a young age and it had, you know, and I was, a, you know, I liked fantasy movies and shit. So it did have an impression on me. Now and she is the Lady Hawk, is she not? I, yes. Yes. She <laughs> right? is the titular, the titular she Lady Hawk. She like turns into a hawk, right? But it yeah. is, I mean, you've got like a, it's. It's not only is it kind of a fun time capsule, it's like a little kind of a zinger of a movie. Like you've got pre-manslaughter, pre-Ferris Bueller, <laughs> Matthew Broderick in a in a performance. That, true, that very is, true. I mean, those are true it, statements. In a, in, a performa- in a performance that is like, oh, this dude's going to be a movie star like that sure. kind of like. And he's really yeah, fun. He in was it. what? Right around War Games. Yeah. Right. Project and, X. And yeah. Rutger Hauer came in when I think Kurt Russell either turned it down or couldn't do it or something like sure. that. Sure. Um, which we'll get back to that a little bit in Tequila Sunrise. But um, oh, yeah. But yeah, and Rutger, so you have Rutger Hauer as basically, you know, one half of this star-crossed pair that is, it, I guess this is like a quasi-spoiler, even though it's like the plot of the movie. Uh, but he he and Pfeiffer are essentially like star-crossed lovers who have been cursed where she is a hawk by day and he is a wolf by night and they only can ever see each other or interact for like a brief moment. She loves moment. her wolves. Yeah. I was about to say, it just keeps happening. To yeah. <laughs> and so it is, you know, it's like a nice bit of 80s cheese. Um, I would highly recommend. Looking just even at her filmography though, like including Donner, she does do like the tried and true movie star thing of like, she works with like a murderer's row. Of well, good, of I was great gonna, directors, yeah. Like, and I was, mm-hmm. and as we as we approach Sweet Liberty, I was gonna say an interesting thing about Pfeiffer is she's not unlike a James Caan, famous more than mo- 
more than most other movie stars. Obviously, everybody turns down a lot of things when you're at that level of fame. But her, more than most, is famous for the roles she's turned down. And she did confirm mm. all of these to Willie Geist in an interview a few years back. She turned down Pretty Woman, Silence of the Lambs, Thelma and Louise, Casino, and Basic Instinct. Right? Uh, she yeah, joked that her instinct. agents call her Dr. No, which is funny. <laughs> she's kind of pretty famous for taking pretty long breaks obviously she's a mother mm-hmm. she's like that's very important to her especially when they're younger she talks about so all that stuff is kind of part of her legend and obviously the oscars that could have been she's been nominated mm. but never won mm-hmm. i think people kind of keep waiting for her to have that like you know big you know third quarter fourth well, quarter qu- quantum mania is right there buddy i know what is it who knows you could never be sure what sequel it is. Anyway, um, but so that's just an interesting thing of those roles, right? Like Khan is famous for turning down um, incredible, you know, incredible roles as well. And I always think that's just the funny thing about her. But anyway, Sweet Liberty, 86, as we're talking about, big moment with Scarface, maybe a couple disappointments in Into the Night and Lady Hawk, but she's like getting the roles. Okay, mm-hmm. Sweet Liberty, not a huge role, supporting role. I'll do the synopsis. Now, a quick context, Alan Alda, and this needs to be its own episode, okay? He was the star of the most popular show in the history of television at the time, and probably still to this day, called MASH, obviously uh, based on the Robert Altman film. And it was such a big show that basically for a decade, Alan Alda could kind of do whatever he wanted. So he wrote this political pseudo thriller drama called the seduction of joe tynan which we covered on the meryl street b-side then he went on to direct four movies in the 80s into the very early 90s and those movies include sweet liberty and just for context the other ones are the four seasons and uh sweet liberty a new life and finally betsy's wedding four seasons was a huge hit the the other three not 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 as much this kind of diminishing returns but it's just crazy to think about like alda really was so huge and he kind of kind he of had all do... the money in the world oh well done. <laughs> now sweet liberty i'll see myself okay. out <laughs> Quit, yeah so connor has left now me and ronica are just hosting this so so um okay sweet liberty starring alan alda written by alan alda, directed by alan alda he is a writer in a small New England town. He's written a very popular book about the American Revolution and this Hollywood crew, the zany Hollywood crew, is coming into town to make an adaptation of his book. Bob Hoskins is the screenwriter. And um, kind of sneaky MVP of this movie, Bob well, Hoskins, I was going to say, so, Saul Rubinek is the director. Also very good, yeah. Um, <laughs> Michael Caine coming off of Hannah and her sisters, I believe, right, is the movie star. Faith, uh, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer playing a character named Faith Healy is the the female uh, lead and movie star. And there's other people in it. And they basically come in. Oh, you know who's way actually got to say? And I did like this, I will say, for the casting. Alda's mother in this movie is played by Oh, Lillian Gish. Lillian Gish. Yeah. Which I did love, I will say. That was, I think, a really nice touch, I I thought. And whatever. I mean, we can... Dan, you and I were talking a little bit off mic about this. 
He's like so vehemently unlikable, well, especially no, so, yeah. in the so way this that the he thing. like behaves so towards this his is, mother. It's like, and this is the thing. Show some respect, okay? <laughs> but this is the thing about all that. This is what's so weird about it. That was kind of in when you look back, what he was always doing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because even in Mash, right? He's like a little stinker, right? And that's like the whole joke. It's like, oh yeah, he's the good guy, but also he's good. Like well, a little, you he, know what it is? It's like a version of like the left-leaning Reagan era white dude thing, like a Peter like a Peter Venkman kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a lot like, like a Bill Murray. It's like, like it's like a it's like a it's a more digestible for the people who live in Connecticut, Bill Murray. Yeah. Like person, let me just right? be so, shitty, but if I shine it on with like, so like enough relative charm. But so like Joe Tynan, he's he's cheating on his wife and he's like basically not a good politician and he like finds his soul so we like him. That's like the premise right. of that movie. It's kind of right. not a great four seasons. It's about a group of friends and there's a divorce and it kind of messes up the friend group. He's a pain in the ass. The whole point of the movie is he's a unbearable pain in the ass but at the end you're kind of meant to be like oh alan you old you old kook and then in this movie it's basically the same thing it's like we all love alan alda even though he Mm -hmm. sucks like from page one to minute whatever it's like he treats his on and off girlfriend like shit Mm -hmm. he treats he ultimately treats michelle pfeiffer like crap Mm -hmm. he Treats his mother, the great Lillian Gish, like you said, like he's crap. also like so wildly disruptive with this film production. Like, yeah, this, this dude wouldn't even make it a fucking like after the initial things he even pulls, he wouldn't make it within a mile of the film set. Like, <laughs> and so just to finish, so the whole premise of the movie is he is as the author, he cannot believe how much they're you know, you know, brutalizing, massacring his book for the sake of you know guns and girls and you know what have you okay and he gets into cahoots with bob hoskins who's the screenwriter on set and they attempt to improve the screenplay through the stars right so to get michael kane and michelle pfeiffer to basically fall in love with these rewritten pages so that's all rubinek the director will have to film them okay not the worst premise in the world no. let me just say like okay and a good ad- okay it's a good fine. avenue for like hollywood satire like yeah, mm-hmm. fine. yeah, yeah. i mean david mamet would do it incredibly much, much better 15 years later with State Maine, which is different but very similar. Um, but that's okay. But it's just fundamentally, it's so unrealistic. It's crazy. It's like, and I guess it doesn't matter like who really cares what a real movie set's like, but like there's just no element of the film ever that that rings quite believable. Well, it's that when it gets and it has right? these, it veers into like it's already not entirely believable. And then especially towards the end, it veers into like the super broad in mm-hmm. in a vein that like really undercuts everything. Cause there's at least a, you know, whatever, you don't need a likable protagonist, right? Like, and, and I'd be willing to watch a movie about a guy who dismantles these relationships because he can't see the forest for the trees. Cause he's so dead set on like, getting his adaptation correct and whatever like there's a mo- there's a, a really probably a really good movie there right but it it like culminates in this farcical he's just yeah. he's like trying to make three different kinds of comedies here 
Mm-hmm. I feel like, and he can't. What? Did, what? What did anything work for you, Veronica? What'd you think? Well, I so full disclosure, I really did not enjoy watching this film for sure. the first fair. time. T- totally, <laughs> totally, totally, fair. totally. Fair. Um, blame, and I just thought, you know, I was sort of enormously suspicious of Alan Alda, who. Um, like famously has been married to his wife for like over 60 years and <laughs> has this like truly romantic kind of real life romance. Um, and yet in this film, you can't, I think, watch it and not think like, okay, so you like wrote and directed and cast yourself as the lead in this film where right. you want your girlfriend to move in with you, but you won't marry her. You are like obsessed with Michelle Pfeiffer but you refuse to acknowledge that she's not actually the historical figure that you wrote your book about, even though that would be um, like psychotic to, right, <laughs> to sort right. of like truly think yeah. that she was this figure come to life. Um, and so you just put yourself in all of these wacky scenarios so that you can end up in bed with each of these two women. Like it just feels completely um, insidious. But now that we're talking about it, I'm sort of like, is it is there a germ of genius in the fact that the like diegesis of this movie is about contesting the use of realism or like authenticity to what actually happened and then all we're talking about so far is that the movie itself sort of bears no relation to the truth of actually making a film it's an inch yeah it's that's, it would that's a I fair point read- I would read that that piece would be more interesting than the movie right yeah I think, totally I, right? totally yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. I think um there's something to be said for really all of his films in that way. Where even the four seasons, like I said, huge hit. Mm. It feels like fake, right? You kind of and like, you know, yeah. you have great actors in that film. Um, um and and what have you, like Rita Moreno's in that film. You know, you have mm-hmm. a lot of um a lot of incredible actors, but but um, Carol Burnett, but like whatever. Point is I think he had a tendency to go that way, right? I think he there were Connor, you said it earlier, there's a broadness, I think, mm-hmm. to what he's doing. And that there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, once again, it's like there's something you can mine kind of. I think great you just have to from thread that. like a better better filmmakers would thread it through I do think, in a more to bring it back to Pfeiffer. I do think Pfeiffer has some good moments in this movie. Oh, I think for the whole, sure. Yeah. I think she's finding between this and Into the Night, right, which are both unsuccessful, you can see she is finding her knack for comedy, which she'll kind of mine to greater use. Like, by, by, by the time Stardust comes out, it's like she's hitting home runs, right? I think she's, like, an incredible comedian when she wants to be. So I think you're seeing her figure that out, and I think her character is interesting because she's doing the thing where she's, like, method on set. And then mm-hmm. the minute she's in her trailer, the minute she's back at the house or the mm-hmm. hotel, she's smoking cigs. She's mm-hmm. yelling at her agent. She kind of can't be bothered. And that's very, in my limited but not, but not no experience on sets, not untrue, right? I think like mm-hmm. there is, there, when you're on a set, even if you're not the actor, there can be a magical little bullshitty, you know, and I don't mean to be reductive. It's in its own way. It's beautiful and could be really fucked up too, as we know. There's like this magical, like, hey, we're all fucking making a movie. Like, we're all children, like, having a fun time. And it can be very bad if it goes the wrong way. But I think there's some, there's a beauty there that she does capture that Alda's obviously reacting to where he's, like, entranced. And he's being like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. like, it's, I wrote about her. Here she is. But then with the fact, but then they're back at the hotel and she's, and he's, like, still in the trance. And you're like, Alan, 
Right. Why did you write this scene that way? Yeah. You're taking all of the piss out Pearl of the up. other scene <laughs> because now you're like, seem like a dumbass. Cause like this now Michelle Pfeiffer is Michelle Pfeiffer. And you, it's just very like a bad, that bad decision. I don't think Alda is like so deluded as a filmmaker that he's not aware of that. Right. Like it's no, sure. He's, it's yeah. clearly all intentional. I think it's just a matter of like, it, and I think Pfeiffer saves some of those scenes because she's almost just so like cynically sardonic in the you know, right. in, in compared to his like starry eyed nature, like mm-hmm. which helps sell it. I think that's probably true of every person in the ensemble, if I'm being honest. Like I don't it's funny you said I did not like Hoskins. I too think much, he's I just say. I just I like his I dig his energy. <laughs> Ronic, for the list of Ronic is <laughs> shaking your head. Shaking your head. Shake, shaking your head. No, I like I dig his energy. He's just got what? Like, yeah, I don't know. I like his like I like his now granted, he does not Hoskins doesn't come off as the writer. I'll say that. Like No. He, no, no, no. Well, he doesn't this, come huh? off as the writer, but he well, yeah. he seems like a fucking circus geek. That like found his way into the movie. He's just like a barrel. Like if you can picture Bob Hoskins in like hook mode, kind of, kind of, mm. kind of. Mm. Uh, this is what I'll, this is what I'll say. I agree with Veronica. I hate the performance, but I think you're seeing <laughs> you're seeing him build. You're seeing him build to some sort of like contained manicness, and that's not a word I know, but that will play into Hook. And Roger Rabbit, so fine. Yeah. So let's we'll, we'll give him a pass. But I think for me, the craziest character, I I, I did love Saul Rubinak because I like him as an actor. Though, and I was me and Connor, we were we were talking about this. There is no director alive who would ever allow a. 20% of the shenanigans that the dude who wrote the book. Of course. Like, the dude, yeah. first of all, like just not, not this matters a whole lot, but it's kind of, kind of important. The dude who writes the book is not even rem- like would never, no. would not even get a call sheet. Would not even no. get. There's I mean, no contract. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. There <laughs> like, are like, there are like famous. Hollywood. Furthermore in the eighties, no yeah. offense, Bob Hoskins probably isn't on set. The screenwriter. Yeah, right. Like, right. 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 That's like a more recent thing. That's not even still a thing. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of yeah. a thing like Hoskins and a movie like that in 1985 is nowhere near. And that you get set. like, so that, that's its own. T- today whatever. you might get like the E.L. Jameses of the world. Right. Like, Whisper, sure, like if it's know. a David McCullough book, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But but this like, is I, presumably it's... an academic volume. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. This is yeah, like exactly. published this with is like not... a university press. Right. Like no it's one's not read like this book. It's not like a Grisham book. novel, right? It's no, not like a... <laughs> it's not even a novel as right. far as we know, yeah. right? It's sort right, of like... It's like a non-fiction. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Maybe, maybe historical fiction is good. Maybe and you could go that far. Doesn't Rubinek even make the comment that it was like in turnaround? He's like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I read your movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. my thing. It's like he is so. You know, I, the movie thinks of him as a villain, so it's like just so weird to watch because it's like he to me, he's so generous. Right? <laughs> oh, I feel for him entirely. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. my guy's trying to make a movie, like the budget, all these jobs. Yeah, it's like you're trying to shut down a movie, all these the poor real grips and yeah, you know, it like is these... a really generous depiction. Like, it, there's a way in which that character could be this kind of showboating, oh my like God, arrogant, of and all of that is kind of like. Um, 
disseminated out to Michael Caine and like oh, sure. other yeah. figures on set who's so delightful. I think Caine and Pfeiffer are sort of doing but, this almost like um, Dix Poursant, that like Netflix show about where the French actors are playing themselves and there's sure. this kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like who pair on who pair kind of um, satire going on. And I think there are moments of that where he's playing the rogue and she's playing the kind of um, like bombshell basically yeah, yeah. who's trying to do something serious where there's this like glimmer of something more promising and meta and then there's yeah. Bob Hoskins doing this like Danny DeVito impression that is just completely <laughs> distracting I will completely say if it, aggravating if it, if it was DeVito he I would have I, oh, I think it would have I, I would have liked it a lot him more. more as a writer I think <laughs> yeah, if it was totally. DeVito for sure yeah that's yeah. true but but so but you know it's funny Veronica you said because you're right Michelle Pfeiffer right Talks very a very we'll say this another credit to Michelle Pfeiffer a very honest interview right if you ever watch an interview with Michelle Pfeiffer she's kind of like a no shits to give interview which is so great right so yeah. if you watch any you know her inside the actor studio I'll link to in the article heard that Willie Geist article I mentioned plenty more she's like very upfront about like like she doesn't like most of her movies she doesn't watch any of her movies right she, you know all of the bullshit at the beginning with the beauty can't act thing she fought against and i think you can see why she took this role because the whole premise of the mm -hmm. role is mm -hmm. in the movie she's fighting against it yeah. and so i think right. that's interesting and i think she's doing an interesting thing and unfortunately it's in sweet liberty which you know came out didn't bomb did kind of shockingly well for like right. it kind of does once again speaks to all this just Red hot star power, which is so weird to say, but it's so true. And like, this is also, I think, one of the worst. I mean, she kind of, not just her. This hap happens, obviously, to tons of tons of actresses throughout the history of Hollywood. But she just gets paired throughout her career, notably with much older men. Mm. And I will say Aldo yes. is maybe the worst version of that. Because oh, at least man. like at least like later in her career, at well, least Jack is perfect, I think. Right. We'll at least that, it's yeah. at least it's like Connery and Ford. And you know, like mm -hmm. I would I'd make an, like, I would make an argument for Connery rivaling uh Alda in not working. That yeah, I movie just I'm saying is, at least like I don't sure, know. He's handsome. At least yeah, it's charming. James Bond. I don't you know. Yeah, like, true, 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 true. Very true. <laughs> So, so I mean, look, that sweet liberty, like we said, I mean, it's kind of all the at probably his peak in terms of, you know, Mash has ended a few years ago. Same time next year is a huge hit. Four mm. seasons is a huge hit. This is not, but he's still very much in the zeitgeist. He's, I think, he hosted the Oscars around this time, right? Mm. He was very much like in, in the world. Like if you ask, yeah, ask any sixty-five-year-olds about. <laughs> Same yeah, off time the next street. year off or the, the four seasons. Okay. My in-laws, God bless them. I'm like, I turn to my I'm like, four seasons? And they're like, loved it. I'm like, yes. You of course you did. You were in theaters for that. My parents, they loved it. Of course. Wow. Um, that's sweet liberty. Um, um, so just quickly, we've mentioned some of these movies, so we won't belabor it, but so um off of that, she goes, um, let me just quickly pull this up. So after that, she basically goes, Tequila Sunrise is not long after that, right? It's two years after. Mm -hmm. It's a, a legitimate hit, right? It does well. It's mm -hmm. the second C comes directed. Right, comes right after Married to the Mob, uh, which which for my, for my money is like top two Michelle Pfeiffer performances, right. honestly. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, very so, beloved movie so that you could probably call a cult classic. It did fine. It did well enough that Demi yeah. can keep kind of making. Obviously, Working Girl comes right after, and and, and or that's Mike Nichols. Sorry, um, uh, Silence comes soon after, and Demi's kind of on on the up, as it were. And, um, right, Tequila Sunrise is almost like. What a year! Married to the Mob, Tequila Sunrise, and Dangerous Liaisons, all in the same. I mean, Tequila Sunrise. It's not as good as the other two, but it's it's like a movie star thing. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) well, I think that's the '88 is the year where it's like shut up about Pfeiffer not being a good actress, right? Because I think by the time the Frears movie, Dangerous Liaison, uh, Liaisons comes out, Mm -hmm. you just kind of can't deny it, right? She's holding her own against. John Malkovich, Glenn Close, right? I think it's just, it's hard to, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a fool's errand at that point, right? So, I mean, she gets, Sun- no, she gets nominated for it, so. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tequila Sunrise, um, though I, we should say not not critically acclaimed, certainly, though a a, a big enough hit um, at the time. Written and directed by Robert Town. Robert Town, you would probably know best as the man who wrote uh, Chinatown. He also wrote. Speaking of, we mentioned it before. Shampoo, um, and a, a million other movies. He 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 directed. This would be a very interesting B side. He directed four very interesting movies: Personal Best, Tequila Sunrise, um, Without Limits, the Billy Crudup, Steve uh, Steve Prefontaine oh, movie, okay. and finally Ask the Dust which is the Colin Farrell, Salma Hayek adaptation of the John Fonte novel. Not a great film, a favorite book of mine by one of my more favorite writers. Mm. I would recommend watching it just because it's one of those things where you're like, wow, they made all the wrong decisions. But but like, but like, there are certainly moments. I, I would argue Tequila Sunrise has a lot of that well, yeah, going on too. I was going to say, like, yeah, I was going to say Tequila it, Sunrise and Veronica. <clears throat> tell me, tell us what you think about this. Me and Connor are kind of <laughs> offline about this. It okay. feels so much like a writer directing. Yeah, because mm. the the script is you know the the line "Kill your darlings" is a very mm-hmm. kind of famous line, and it basically obviously means some of your what you think are your best scenes or lines mm-hmm. when you're writing a book or a screenplay mm-hmm. or what have you. You'll have to kill for the sake of the whole of the piece because it just doesn't fit within the whole thing. I think. In Tequila Sunrise, Bobby Town was like, I ain't killing any of my darlings. I'm going to keep them <laughs> no, all the, in. Yeah, the original title was All the Darlings. All my darlings. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and the studio was like, okay, Robert, if you want to do that, yeah. you can only, you have to lower the budget. And he's like, all right, fine. They're going to go to an apartment. Yeah, two and locations. Yeah. And a beach. Yeah. And a restaurant. It almost, and it almost and it's behaves kind like of a play. It's almost, it is like a play. Yeah. It is yeah. like a play. Yeah. So I guess I'll do the premise. It's very, we'll keep it simple. Oh, okay. So Kurt Russell, Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson's a drug dealer, but he's gone straight more or less. Kurt Russell is a cop. They grew up together in a very angels with dirty faces type of way. And um, Michelle Pfeiffer runs her father's restaurant yeah. that is, is kind of a front for drug running and kind of accidentally like she doesn't yeah it's, it's not like, like an active she thing, doesn't but, know yeah. that it is which is insane but okay mm-hmm. and and raul julia is the only reason to watch the movie no i'm kidding but raul julia is great <laughs> in the movie and he plays um this is a spoiler i guess but it's i mean it's okay he plays a 
essentially a drug kingpin who we learn is also a Mexican cop. So he's doing and, both. And most importantly, an old Mel, an, an old, old acquaintance, acquaintance of, of Mel, Mel Gibson. Yeah. And is it that he saved Mel Gibson's life, so Gibson in like prison, will always yeah. owe him. Yeah. yeah, in prison. Okay. Basically, Russell and Gibson, and it's a lo- it becomes a love triangle. And yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, that's the Russell whole, and Gibson right. are childhood, not childhood friends, but like friend, long time yeah, yeah, friends. Yeah, 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 they get caught. Russell gets away. Gibson mm-hmm. goes yeah, to jail Angel's, in Mexico. Angel's a dirty face. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's R- the, Russell's it Pat O'Brien. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and and. uh so it's a good premise. Obviously, Robert Town is a great storyteller. He's a good director. I mean, let's just say Conrad Hall got nominated for an Oscar for lensing this movie, and it is a stunningly beautiful movie to the point where, like, you you're. It's one of those things. Where it's insane that a, like like throwaway studio fluff from 1988 yeah. could look like this and like mm. now we get quantum mania yeah, well that's i was true. just gonna say even that's like true. even you know, you know it's just interesting as we record on this day uh the netflix has just dropped they're like here's what's coming in 2023 thing and like all the movies look like netflix movies take that for mm-hmm. what you will and it is just well, the kind of the fincher, the fincher well okay not. yeah the one right yeah, I, okay. i'm just saying but yeah. but my point is it's the it it this movie, To Kill a Sunrise, is the kind of reminder of like how much a Conrad Hall really does elevate a thing, mm-hmm. right? Because like there is a nothing scene, there is a nothing scene that takes place between See, Car- a scene that Car- probably 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 should have been cut, right? Sure, whatever <laughs> that takes place between between Kurt Russell and Mel Gibson, and they're just you know they're having like a Russell as the cop being like, hey you know, if you really are going straight, you got to be careful. Otherwise I'm going to have to take you down. It's like one of those conversations. And they're like sitting on a swing set in a park against a setting sun. And it's extraordinarily beautiful. And it's just one of those things where you're like, I no no version of that scene, Mm -hmm. maybe for better and worse exists in a movie like that today. Right. Like in terms of just the way it's shot, the way it looks. Uh, And so, yeah, Conrad Hall definitely like, the MVP now, of this movie. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and like you said, he was nominated, which is interesting. Um, you know, so Pfeiffer in this movie, ah, what do you think, Veronica? I mean, it's not a, she's not given a lot to do. No. She's kind of a patsy. It's a little, it's a shame kind of. I don't Such know. a weird role. She's basically yeah. the manager of what seems like the only restaurant in town. Sure. Right. And that's sort of why she's in the film. The like movie. Why, what yeah. she's doing yeah. in the story is she's like the hottest woman around basically and she's just at work um and then sort of the gilda between these two guys it's just classic homosocial triangle stuff where it seems like they want the to kiss each That's other so right the gilda you know here. and right. they can't and it, kiss each other so they just both sleep with her <laughs> i wish they kissed each other me too Man, the whole time would, really it's just something. me whispering kiss yeah <laughs> A libertarian and a racist, though, that would be so hard for both of them, I feel like. Anyway. uh, But it's the kind of movie star pairing that they're like, they're both such exceedingly handsome movie stars that you're like, just smooch. Like, just smooch. I'll say this. Give it a shot. I was talking to Kelly about this. The slick back hair for Kurt, I think. Bad. It doesn't... It yeah. doesn't really work for me. Still handsome as all hell. Yeah. Gibson, my God, I got to say, and it kills yeah. me to say it. Jesus Christ, he's so good looking. It's like, yeah. it's so wild. Like mm-hmm. this and Bird on a Wire. 
Um, and I guess the first lethal weapon, it's all within basically four years. Mm-hmm. He is just like firing on all cylinders. It's kind of insane. Like mm-hmm. you could really see why. Like this is a movie where it's not giving you much. It's kind of like, you know, thinner than a coffee filter type of thing. There's some mm-hmm. great lines like town is a great writer. The story kind of really falls apart to the point where at the end, you're almost like, like you said, you're reading like, why did this happen? Oh, you don't yeah. really understand. I like, did not Drew, understand like, what was going on. I'm like, who's tricking whom you know yeah raul julia comes in and it's almost like and i'll say this for town town is weird because town in so much of what he's writes and of what he directs he's got this streak and connor maybe you can tell me i'm crazy here there's such an earnestness to so much of what he writes there's such an old hollywood Hmm. like Mission Impossible 2, I'm thinking of. Parts of Mission Impossible that I ended up getting rewritten, you know, to some degree by Kep, but like without limits, right? Like uh, Ask the Dust, Jesus Christ is like compared to the Fonte novel, like it's like a Catholic schoolboy wrote it. It's so like, he's, it's very weird. It's like he makes these movies that have these like nasty elements and then he like totally sands the edges on Mm. them. And if like Polanski's making the movie or Beatty's making them, you know, Beatty slash, um, uh, sorry, Beatty slash made the details. What's his name? Oh my God. If, if like shampoo is what I'm talking about, if they're making the movie, Hal Ashby, then, um, you, you know, they'll maybe maintain the edges, but it's weird with town. It's like, it's almost like everybody in the movie's too nice. Mm. Well, right? yeah. that's, like, that's where the, I think the Gibson of it all hurts it. Cause like, it's like, it's like, so you got like the nicest drug kingpin, in the you know drug ping with the kingpin with the heart, you know corrupt cop with the heart of gold, mm-hmm. cop with the heart of gold, Michelle Pfeiffer with the heart of gold, you know what you know, and then drug deal with the heart of gold, and you're like nobody's really yeah. there's not really any nefarious plans, it's kind of all circumstantial to the point where it's confusing like we're talking about, mm-hmm. and that's the movie you get to the end and it's like it's beautiful people talking having sex and that's okay and I miss those movies so I still enjoyed watching it I'll say mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. but certainly like. I would sooner recommend Final Analysis or No Mercy, right? Because right. oh, it's yeah. just, even though those movies aren't like, you know, like this they're movie, grimy, this Kane, movie's like they're not like fun. Like that's yeah, like the not problem. Fun enough. It's like, not fun and enough. I think a, I think a big, I, and I couldn't find anything to to this effect. And I, you know, who knows if it's, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's true or not. It just doesn't seem like Kurt and Mel like each other very much. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is crucial like i i feel Mm -hmm. like you need Mm -hmm. that it's not like a it's not like a miami vice 2006 thing where like them not liking each other in real life actually kind of helps the movie because it's like imagine Mm -hmm. if you just didn't like your partner and you still needed to no i agree you know they need more chemistry yeah and somehow more romance well to veronica's point if they had kissed maybe i I know you know what this is is it's like the not good point break and i feel like point break succeeds in every way that this falters like and also i mean you can even like sort of substitute in a way michelle pfeiffer and laurie petty for like the functions that they serve and the kind of like um moderate sparkiness they get you know what you would weirdly have to do though i think is you would swap swayze and keanu like Mm -hmm. swayze would be the cop and keanu would be the drug dealer yeah, yeah. Like well, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about in Tequila Sunrise. If, they if both you were to Sunrise. take, if you were to transpose Point Break onto Tequila mm-hmm. Sunrise, it would be still be Lori Petty in the same role, but you'd swap Swayze and 
you know what you know what's funny like. that we're talking about this this is gonna be the most random reference i'll ever make and i apologize in advance but speaking of b-sides <laughs> there's a movie called i'm so from excited. paris with love oh wow okay, okay. <laughs> who, who cares it's but it's john travolta <laughs> and jonathan rees myers okay hmm. sure and one's like kind of a dirty cop and one's a clean cop whatever different countries blah 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 yeah and it, it's not even the worst movie. it's an okay action film but it doesn't ever seem like they should be in the same movie, right? You're mm. like watching the movie and you're like, mm-hmm. they're in different movies and they keep running yeah. into each other. And it's like, there are two movies happening and they have to force, they're being forced together to be one movie. Tequila Sunrise kind of has that. And it's almost like three movies, right? Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. it's almost like, mm-hmm. they're all good. We love them all. They're all beautiful. And the only one who really seems to like wrap it around is Julia. And he come and it's almost because, he comes in late mm-hmm. and it's like he's just having fun, which, you mm-hmm. know, he was uh, the best at doing. He's the only one. Yeah. And he's the only one. And like Pfeiffer, you know, you kind of keep waiting for it to be like, oh, her dad was in cahoots with Julia. Yeah. Oh, she knew about it the whole or time. You're, She's yeah, the you're secret like, you're kingpin. Waiting, yeah, like, you're waiting for her to like pull one And it never happens. Right. Yeah. 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 It's well, a bummer. I read it's that kind Town really did not enjoy working with her, but I couldn't, I didn't find anything more specific about that i wondered well, if you would come across you know, that information we don't need to go down this bridge to it she i think she's a very specific type of person she's been very honest about that and i she has had sets there's a more recent movie called where is kira um mm. which is a very good movie i think um very independent movie her and Kiefer sutherland big she, recommend she's, in terms of she's the movie. so good too. she's a, one of her best yeah. performances she's yeah. incredible um that director and you know very indie director the guy who made mother of george and a couple other movies very openly very openly talked about not liking working with interesting now it was an independent movie michelle fiverr has not made a lot of those so i think Mm. there's something inherently like that is a just a different thing right Mm -hmm. if you have worked on you know not not to recall sweet liberty again but there's a huge difference between a big television show or a film Mm-hmm. by a studio where there are you know trailers for the actors and you know a, a you know ca- you know a catering truck and a movie like where's kira where it's like hey show up to set at 7 a.m you know we'll call you a car but once you're here we have a coffee shop down the block you could sit in there and then right. you know the pa will grab mm-hmm. you but the walkie might not work because we don't really have a big budget right like, and like you can maybe, see maybe she gets a hadad's trailer no, maybe, maybe, I don't not on maybe, that movie, I don't think, but, right? Like, but, I, but 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 point being, I can understand her being a little like, what am I doing here? Um mm. so anyway, point being, there's 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 some moments like that where I think she's a very assertive person. I think mm. she's a female in Hollywood, so I think it's a losing battle, especially back then. And that's another Yeah, I was gonna say thing. with town, like I, part of me I, Yeah. You know, I don't get the distinct impression Robert Town generally has an innate fondness for women. So, yeah. has he written? Look, I'm trying to I think of his scripts. I don't know. I, mean, the, I don't know yeah. the man, so I'm yeah. not. You know, but I'm, I mean, it comes across in that film. I think like there's just something so like hesitant about even like giving yeah. her anything to do aside right. from these sort of like really spectacular sex scenes that feel completely implausible like showgirls level yes. implausible. yeah they're like say. doing like hot tub gymnastics it's like hydro a, sex yeah yeah 100 yeah. yeah so me so when that when that iconic scene happened me and kelly were laughing pretty hard and but i was like 
there was such a nostalgia for it. Not unlike a lot of the, uh, you know, you know, because like we said many times, you know, it's a very sexless moment for movies in general, especially bigger movies. Um, so that inherently, when you get one of those scenes, I think you're you're like recalling just the fondness of them ever existing, right? At sure. that high profile way, for sure. Um, so that's fun. It's in its own way, but there is such a, it approaches such. It approaches then passes such a level of ridiculousness mm-hmm. so as to almost feel like it belongs in a different movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's look, that's Tequila Sunrise, obviously. <laughs> what I think is funny is Mel Gibson drinks a Tequila Sunrise at one he point. He certainly does. Which yeah. I thought was a very funny decision. The titular Tequila Sunrise. Yeah. I was yeah. kind of shocked. I was like the Leo DiCaprio <laughs> meme. I was like, there it is, the Tequila Sunrise. <laughs> There, it's it's not like an easy recommend, but I would say I do recommend it because I do think like the trifecta of movie stardom in it is like mm. a, a fascinating little curio because um, it right. is just this thing of like Kurt Russell and Mel Gibson and Michelle Pfeiffer made a movie together, like mm-hmm. directed by the guy who wrote Chinatown, like mm-hmm. the pedigree and it just feels insane. And so, she has she has a few of those, uh, you know, yeah, you know, one of them being a thousand, a thousand acres where it's like, I think just as we kind of approach moving on to the yeah. next one, I think what's interesting is just let me say with a thousand acres in the nineties, you know, Pfeiffer and Lang were, were like two of the big actors, right? It's like, you might, kind of it's oh you you wouldn't be like you would almost if you if you were a little bit younger than us and and forgot or didn't know that no you know no no one could be mad at you right but Mm -hmm. it's like in the early 90s like the the 87 to 94 run that michelle pfeiffer went went on even despite turning down all those roles Mm -hmm. it's kind of incredible like witches of eastwick being the beginning going all the way through wolf Mm -hmm. and even dangerous minds wasn't well reviewed but was a crazy huge hit huge like in a a cultural moment and Mm -hmm. it was it was all her movie it was her movie her her in that run she gets nominated three times that's what i'm saying like like, uh, and even a movie like love field which she gets nominated for which i did watch for this the jonathan that's like her that's like the it's kind of like a blindsidey nomination a little bit to me is like what it struck blindside what do you like the blindside like i was gonna say funny enough is what it is like is Jessica Lange wins for Blue Sky, mm. which is also an Orion movie that gets punted two years down the road because they go right. bankrupt. Because Love Field Love, was like made Love in 1990. Yeah. yeah, Love Field is the same thing. Yeah. And that it earns Pfeiffer a nomination, and then Blue Sky earns Lang a win. And it's and then whatever, just funny that Jocelyn Morehouse coming off of How to Make an American Quilt makes A Thousand Acres, and they're the leads, and they have some great scenes together definitely mm. a flawed movie but it's just funny that movie gets eviscerated by the critics which mm. it's it's totally unfair uh but there might not be enough time to get into that but um um all right so tequila sunrise dangerously is on comes out same year like we talked about the next year she makes in my opinion one of her best movies the steve clovis film the fabulous baker boys mm-hmm. um Starring the br- the brothers the bridges, bridges. the the bridges. Um, yeah. Love that movie. Can't say enough good things about it. A big recommend from me. Um, Steve Glovis, who then went on to write every single Harry Potter movie that ever happened, um, which is interesting. Um, 
and then what happens next? She goes. She does the, the Russia, Russia house, house with the Connery. Fritz PC. Yeah. Ugh, it's the, one of the most boring movies ever made. <laughs> um, Gary Marshall. This was kind of controversial. Makes the adaptation of the play Frankie and Johnny. Mm. There's right. a lot of kind of I it's think too almost. Pretty. Well, yeah, and it's almost <laughs> and to your and to, and she gets this with Age of Innocence too, mm. where it's like. That's not what that character is supposed to be like. And mm-hmm. and she, you know, I think she's good in both the movies. I think she's great in Age of Innocence. Definitely. Frankie Frankie and Johnny does well enough. I don't think it's like amazingly well loved, but it's an interesting moment. Her and Pacino mm-hmm. again. Um Batman returns, arguably her most iconic role. She plays Catwoman. Love Field eventually comes out. An interesting movie, fun fact, Dennis Haysbert plays the, the male lead. It was supposed to be Denzel Washington up until like a month before filming, and he had to drop out, which I think is interesting. Mm. Haysbert, really good in it. Interesting I, movie. Yeah, I would say that almost might surprisingly be a benefit to the movie. Well, I think it's a benefit to Pfeiffer because I, well, May, I don't know if that's, I just that, think might not, that might not be fair to Haysbert, Denzel, but like. Haysbert's so understated in a way that's pretty effective in that movie. They, that, they have a great chemistry yes. in that movie. Yeah, I, yeah, we I won't get into the plot of it. Yeah. It's about kind of I think there's obviously probably a little bit of a green bookiness to it yes, that you definitely. could certainly <laughs> criticize. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but certainly I could hear the but arguments she's very, for like it. the two of them are very very good, very good in the movie. Um yeah. and then like we said Age of Innocence great movie has only improved with with time. And then in 94 <laughs> The great Mike Nichols coming off of oh an incredible God. run. The man who gave us The Graduate. The man who <laughs> gave us Carnal Knowledge. He gave us he gave us postcards from the edge. A living legend. He's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make a movie about werewolves in publishing. And which be the do movie you, I, made. I just wanted which do we think came first? Like, was it like, oh, publishing, I, gonna, dude? I think you gotta remember publishing in the 90s. I guess oh, yeah. was there was was there a bigger job? I'm thinking <laughs> what women want. Yeah, no, no, no. Everyone's it's, an it's editor. Like, well, it's like you're it's, <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> speaking of Pfeiffer, it's like one fine day, George Clooney's just like no, no, the no. columnist who writes like one column every seven weeks and he makes one fine day is the Venn diagram of the two great 90s to 2000s jobs, which is columnist she's an and, architect and yes. he's like a writer slash columnist. They, yeah, I'm thinking Richard Gere, Richard Gere from Runway Bride. He writes like, right? you know, Ike sure, Graham yeah. writes a 300 word sure. column. Everybody knows him in New York. He's walking down the street. People are like, Ike Graham, you write my favorite column. He's like, yeah, he's cool. like, hi. Yeah. But anyway, so Wolf. Um, <laughs> let me just say, I love this movie. Yeah, great. Look, I just got to say it. It's just a, what a crazy movie. So crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Veronica, just, what do you think about Wolf? Just I tell mean, us it's like, uh, well, I'm a huge Vampire's Kiss fan and I feel okay. like this yeah. is that movie too. Yeah. Like all yes. of which are just American Psycho, I guess. Sure. Like right. all the Kelly same movie. Ke- Kelly kept saying, cause we actually watch most, rarely do we get to watch uh all these movies together but but I, you know, kelly loves pfeiffer and, and all these movies kind of fit fit and she kept saying um only jack nicholson could have played this role and i was like yeah, yeah. that's so true like yeah. you watch that movie yeah. and it's like what other actor could have done that no like, it's, I, I it's, couldn't tell you who it's, I couldn't no. tell you. it's with enough it's it's like perfect nicholson and we talked about this a little bit on our jack it's nicholson so episode 
that he he's an actor who doesn't get enough credit for his vulnerability and mm. I think, like when he wa- when he wants it yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and i and i think this movie and, and albeit like a turn to 11 campy kind of way but this movie perfectly capitalizes on all of the things he does best because it allows him to be yeah it's kind of surprisingly like a beta male, right? Which like you wouldn't expect, but that's where the vulnerability comes in. And yet also he gets to be like a prick and very mm-hmm. intense and scary. Like well, all let me just in say, like one this, thing. This, this has come up before in this podcast. This movie does one of my favorite things that, that I think basically every movie should do. And that is, it just starts. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Now, so few movies, especially now do this, right? Mm-hmm. Spike Lee, one of my favorite directors. He's the king of doing shit like this. This is one of the many reasons I love him. The movies just start. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to know about the quantum realm and the fucking <laughs> blah, 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 whatever the thing yeah. is. And the, the cube went in the whatever yeah. thing. And you got to know this. And you had to yeah, watch Winter yeah. Soldier 2 to know come about along. the whatever. Yeah. Like, the movie starts. He's driving down the road. He gets in a car accident. It's snowy. Yeah. Well, what is he Where hit? is he? What is he's he in hit? Maine. There are wolves. What Cause happens? and effect. He gets bit yeah. by a wolf. Thank you. That's the beginning of the movie. Okay, now we can continue. And basically, the whole movie is he's a, yeah, he's a kind of a cucky, you know, second in command uh, editor at a very high profile publishing house back when that was more important, sadly. Mm -hmm. And the publishing house has just gotten sold to, Mm -hmm. um, is it Christopher Plummer? Yep. Yep. And he knows he's going to get screwed because mm-hmm. he makes too much money and he doesn't have the balls to like stand up for himself and all of those compounding things. Sure as shit, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. He's going to basically get a demotion and get shipped off to Eastern Europe where there's like a booming, you know, publishing market, but it's obviously clearly a, you know, get as far away as you can from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. James Spader is his intrepid oh. quote-unquote loyal um, man, uh, man it's, G- it's James Spader in the uh, checks notes. James Spader. Uh, James Spader let, me look, yeah, yeah. let me look at this. He's um, <laughs> James Spader playing. Oh, this is interesting. A James Spader type. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> um, Thank God. And, uh, yeah, and he is perfectly uh, just, cast. Per- I mean, like pitch perfect. Well, in this, well, yeah, perfectly cast in the way of like if you. D- if you don't actually want the twist to be a twist, like which I think yeah, is no, fine, right, right, which right. is fine for this movie, I think it's right. fine for this yeah. movie. But I just think it's a funny decision where it's like, let's just get the smarmiest, pretty person who's ever lived to play this, you know. But I do like the way he plays it; like it's a great, even with, even because I mean, you it, like. You calling Nicholson cucky isn't even a euphemism. It's like he is a literal cuckold because James Spader's fucking his wife, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. the yeah. minute you see Spader, there's just that energy of like, oh, that dude's that dude's fucking your wife. Like, no, and then, so, so we'll yeah. say the great the great Kate Nelligan is his wife, who's who's great great actress, doesn't ever get enough credit. Um, and then and then Christopher Plummer's daughter is Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. and. Basically, what happens is Nicholson kind of grows a spine whilst learning he is a what he, he's turning into a werewolf at night, and so those two things go together. Mm-hmm. A thing I love they do because Nicholson's got that famous thinning hair is they like they fill in his hair to to a comical degree, which I like so appreciate. Nicholson was cool about doing that because it's like fully Nicholson thinning 
hair. And then it's but like. But they keep like the Nicholson. Oh, you got to keep the, peak the widow's peak. The hairline. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to keep the widow's peak. Yeah. But they really fill it in, which I love. And he just gets hairier and hairier. And then basically people start dying. And Nicholson is like, holy shit, I'm killing these fucking people. And Pfeiffer's character is basically this, you know, tortured, spoiled, rich girl who has this traumatic, um, you know, past involving her brother and, uh, you know, his suicide and her own addiction, you know, uh, haunting, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, hauntings from the past that all kind of lend her to be the perfect person to like perfect, perfect person to help Nicholson's character. And then you find out who it really is. Right. So that's, it's, it's, it ultimately follows along a very similar Lon Chaney Jr. Esque Mm -hmm. pattern. Once you get there, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with references to, you know, great authors and, uh, (laughs) you know, like Angela's ashes, like, (laughs) you know, uh, previews and whatever um but no yeah so that's it i mean i think what else is there to say about wolf it's like it was a it was a modest success it was a big budget movie it did relatively well one Um, of the great we should say maybe one of the great all-time posters like it's so that poster is so where it's just it's like half it's the profile it's his yellow eye and it's it's him sort of hovering over they're almost Um, kind of like improving the lady hawk poster a little bit it's kind of a fun it's uh, the wolf poster and the one on wikipedia is not the one i'm thinking of no that's the bad one the other one is (laughs) now fight now so pfeiffer in this is is it better than Tequila Sunrise? Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. sure. I feel like they're totally exploiting. Well, she, I feels, mean, it's... she feels more in on the joke here than she yeah. does in on whatever's going on in Tequila Sunrise, right? Like, I feel like in, Te- in Tequila Sunrise, she's literally just at work. She's like completing shifts. Like well, on the front, right. yeah. you know, yeah. she's like clocking Sunrise in, clocking out. But is here, like, there is no joke. Yeah, this is yeah. Fun. yeah. She gets to be feline and like imperious in this way that she's she has such a yeah. gift for you know like she really does seem like someone who i think it's like in age of innocence the line about countess Olenska is that she's had an eccentric education and that's totally how michelle pfeiffer comes across i think sure. as someone who's been to about like 16 boarding schools and um is fluent in a lot of languages and um just uh, can make fun of you without you even realizing it or like something. Just a Swiss army knife of a personality. A hundred percent. So much disdain, like right at her fingertips. And I think she gets to do that, especially at the end of the film, in a way that's really, really fun. Uh, to me, where she's really kind of owning the screen is, you know, it's the end of the film, and, and we'll spoil here, Kate Nelligan has been brutally murdered off screen, which is such a, I mean, poor Kate Nelligan. And, <laughs> and um, Rick, Richard and, Jenkins is right. a, uh, is an inspector who's kind of like hot on the trail. of Well, all yeah, of he, it. you know, obviously <laughs> tepid Nicholson's on the trail. The yeah. yeah. Tepid on the trail. Yeah. He's um, Nicholson obviously is a prime suspect because he's the husband and they had had a falling out because he learns that Nelligan is sleeping with Spader. And so Nicholson's convinced he did it. Right. And, Pfeiffer in there in in the hotel is very much like you didn't do it. Trust me, I know this shit goes. My brother was very kind of fearful and paranoid. Like relax, like you're with me the whole night. You didn't hurt me. Chill out. And then they're in the car driving back to like her parent, her father's estate, and 
she hears something on the radio and then she looks and she looks at his shoes and they're muddy and she and then her that turn that emotional turn that kind of encapsulates that whole character where she's like so surefire but at the same time not Mm -hmm. because she has so much doubt so much pain in her past not every actress, actor, performer can do what she does there and and sell that because it's very silly, right? Where it's like it's very Universal Monster. It's very like mm. I believe you. Oh my god, I don't believe you. But the right. turn, <laughs> and, you know, and, and you credit Nichols for this, and you credit all the filmmakers too. But like, it's all on that close up. Like, you believe Pfeiffer, and it goes back to what you were saying, Veronica, where it's like she can do both at the same time, and not mm-hmm. everybody can do that. Where it's like. You see her and you're like, wow, she is one confident, beautiful woman. And then like literally 30 seconds later, she can, you can see the facade crack Mm -hmm. and you can immediately be like, oh, oh, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And I think like you see that in Love Field, you see that here, you see that kind of um, in her best, you know, you see, you definitely see in Dangerous Minds, you see it in her kind of some of her best roles. Age of Innocence, I mean, Jesus Christ, the whole fucking role is that. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, I mean, one of the best I mean, you know, I don't know if she's ever been better than that. And 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 um and that's kind of it. It's like, and then you get to the you know, incredible finale where it's like all of these great actors just being like, you can like feel Nichols being like, all right, so James, Jack's giving me eleven. I'm wondering if you can give me twelve. Mm-hmm. And then and you get to the end of the movie and he's like, Now Michelle. We've gotten eleven and twelve. I'm wondering if you can get to thirteen no, for it, me in this last scene. It's like you know, a layer. Like, it's like a layer deeper than that. It's, it's like it's like he went to Nicholson and was like, Spader says, Spader you're, says you're you full can't. Of shit. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. It's, it's more like he was like, you're at eleven. <laughs> Spader thinks you definitely can't go to twelve. And then Spader he like was said, saying he didn't even see a few good men. He yeah, says it right, was right. It's like that kind of thing. And then he goes to Spader and he says the exact same thing. And then he just films what happens. Like he goes to Jackie. He goes, James. Jack that's like Nicholson, the whole just saying energy. Bad influence was a fucking waste of time. What do you think about that? He says Rob Lowe acted you off the screen. What are you gonna uh, do about that? James? And then Spader's like, well, I'll do Supernova. Rob we'll Lowe. Call action, call action. Um, it's just such an incredible last ten minutes. I mean, it's just, it it's just truly. It's, like, I would argue the reason to watch the movie. Like, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It, sure. I, it's but cool I think you that she gets that. it yeah. too at the end. Like she, everyone sort it. of like falls away, and we have this like Paul Schrader's cat people kind of moment well, with oh, her. Fully. So, so this fully is, Natasha this, Kinski. This is yeah. the thing. Fully, I fully. watched this movie for the first time in many, many years around Halloween. And I was doing like a series, I was doing like a week where I was watching like werewolf-ish movies, mm. right? And I had never seen the Schrader cat people. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to watch that, right? And I watched these movies back to back. I watched Amazing. this and then Schrader's cat people. And let me tell you folks, what a double bill. Great. Well, cat, let me say cat people. I mean, you want to talk about great runs. Schrader. <laughs> American Gigolo to Cat People to Mishima is like sure. I would put those three up against any three, any, any Kurosawa, fucking Maya Darren, you know, like <laughs> give, any, give me any. I love them all, but for my money, you, 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 I don't think you can top American Gigolo to Cat People to Mishima. Like that's right at the top for me. I think it's one of the most incredible, like like trio. Uh, it's just incredible. It's just an incredible, 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 like just artistically 
I would recommend every person just just watch those movies. Like watch all the other Honestly, Shredders, but like in a my row, god, in a row. Yeah, yeah that's just what I mean. take, that's a what I mean. take a day. <laughs> oh, it's just it's a beautiful. I cannot. Take I cannot. There's no hyperbole. I could not go. I cannot go high enough. I love those movies. Anyway, um, but you're right. She comes out and she's full cat people. She's, she's full. Taken an hour to do her makeup. Uh, oh god, yeah, she's, she's full. I just like came back mime. from. Yeah, I just came back from you Europe. Know? I watched a lot of Fellini movies. Yeah, she has this little incesty moment with Christopher Plummer, which I'm always like, ooh. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. interesting. That was an interesting choice. And that's the thing, you know, Nichols is a funny director because. You know, he's one of these guys. I always think of him kind of like a William Wyler, where it's like Nichols is kind of like he did so many different things. I think mm. now it's like the, I, I always kind of rail against the auteur theory on this podcast a little bit just because I'm always like mad that like the Kurt Michael Curtiz is and the like, you know, the like um, uh, William Wyler's and, and even to a lesser degree, Mike Nichols, like they kind of get a little forgotten mm. because they've just made everything mm -hmm. and they weren't like a Schrader, let's say, or a mm -hmm. Scorsese to some degree. And I always kind of am, find myself defending, you know, those filmmakers, but just all this to say, like, it's just so fascinating that like Nichols really decides to get a little nasty. And I think mm -hmm. that's fun. Cause he's coming off of, you know, regarding Henry, you know, like a little bit more of like, nicer films yeah there's yeah. a luridness here there's sure. a luridness which i think must have excited him about the material mm -hmm. i'm sure he wasn't the first person they went to maybe he was but i think you know <laughs> it was a imagine. hot <laughs> yeah i mean i can't imagine it was a hot script obviously right it happens i'm sure i'm sure he you know his involvement probably got it made to whatever degree you know nicholson obviously too but well i was gonna, really I, I was gonna say of the, I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it was like a nichols gets you nicholson which gets maybe. you you know like maybe yeah and i that. think i think it's mm. interesting it's kind of the not the end but it's you're getting to that you know nicholson's about to kind of hit the as good as it gets he wins everything that yeah. movie wins everything it's a monster hit and then after that it's really like kind of done right it's like you get a little about schmidt Right. Yeah. You get the, the Adam Sandler movie and basically we're kind of departed is coming, but you know, it's like, we're kind of fading out a little bit mm -hmm. and to watch Wolf knowing that's coming makes it even more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more a poignant little bit, that way. Yeah. You know, like, cause you know, Mars attacks is going to kind of disappoint people and what have you things are on its, you know, um, and I'll say, speaking of Michael Caine, an underrated one coming out that, is fully a B-side, which I don't think we got to when we did Nicholson. Is Blood and Wine is yeah. a really interesting movie with young Jennifer Lopez and Stephen Dorff, and I think that's Bob Rafelson. That's a that's definitely a movie worth watching. But um, yeah, man, Wolf, great. I don't know, fun <laughs> as hell, so fun. Yeah, the most nineteen ninety four movie that ever nineteen ninety four. Yes, definitely. Mm. You know, there was so much hope. A lot you know? of like, there are like sequences. In I this think Clay like, like balanced the budget that year. People were like, <laughs> we're going to be all right. We're, we're they're like, fine. They're like know? running through the woods and it feels like a music video. It's, mm -hmm. it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, feels cool. like a, but Brian yeah. Adams video or something. It's they're great. like monkey shines <laughs> shots, like animal yeah. POV. There are monkey awesome. shine <laughs> shots. And so, all right, so here we go. Last film. Deep end of the ocean. Oh my god! All right, so just you know, Dangerous Minds, up close and personal, comes out. Kind of a her and Redford, not really first movie I ever a, watched on a plane. Up there close and personal. Yeah. There you go. Not not a, this is kind of this is a bit of a nascent period for Michelle in terms of kind of you know 
the the highs are not that high. Uh, to Jillian on her thirty seventh birthday doesn't really hit. One fine day has grown in people's estimation. It's a fun yeah, char- movie. charming movie. Yeah. Charming movie. A thousand acres we talked about kind of gets less left behind. Uh, voice work in the Prince of Egypt was obvi- obviously a stone cold masterpiece, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> and okay, ninety nine weird year. She makes another movie with Michael Hoffman, who directed One Fight Day. It's the adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, yeah. A weird, a weird movie. Very weird um, movie. She's good in it. Kevin Klein is Kevin Klein in it. Like, very good Shakespeare, what have you. Like, interesting cast. Rupert if you Everett. like if you like your tooch with horns, you got a tooch like, with horns in it. You got a tooch yeah. in that one. Um, yeah. Anyway. Story of Us, kind of a failed Rob Reiner, her and Bruce Willis. Less said about that movie, the better. So The Deep End of the Ocean. Okay. Now, quickly, back in the day, a very common thing that's not as common now, when there was a hit book, they usually made a movie of it. It was very, very common. And what I was referencing before I is like- I think it's still common now. Less common. It just though. becomes like less it's, it becomes like a fucking HBO four-part sure. okay. miniseries. That's a great, shit. That's a, that's, you're totally right. Yeah. So I just what's interesting is you have with, you have with Pfeiffer a lot of this where you go, a Thousand Acres is that, right? Deep End of the Ocean is that. White, White Oleander. Oleander is that. Yeah. Right, right, kind of within like six years, right? So mm. just a funny thing, okay? Mm-hmm. The Deep End of the Ocean is a movie in which she's kind of a... Um, like flighty mom, photographer, has too much on her plate, treat Williams as her husband, and... She, in a stunning decision, which I would never, I would encourage nobody to ever do, decides to take her two young sons to Chicago to go to her and and high daughter. school reunion. She takes she takes all three of her and which I would daughter, just takes all as three someone of who her has, children. Let me yeah. just say, as someone who has kids that age, I would just encourage people just try not to do that. I just I don't understand what fun is to be had from that. I could never tell you. Treat Williams. Why did you let her do it? Yeah, not that you know, well, she's yeah. Was an adult. he busy? I mean, and then they make a joke about him not being busy. He literally is like, I'm going to like get like drunk quick, with my boys. Yeah. There's like, and she kind of, I think she's sort like of like a throwaway. Yeah. There's like a throwaway line that's yeah. like that where she's like, no, have like your week. You know, like nice she's trying to be nice. God bless her. Yeah. She gets to the hotel and bring a babysitter with the you know, kids. I I know. Like, it's I a nightmare. Anyway, it's a nightmare. Yeah. She gets there. And in one of the most harrowing 30 minutes I've ever experienced <laughs> in, in my recent time as a person, she gets that hotel. She goes to check in the hotel. She goes to check into her room, their rooms, what have you. And the middle child, the the younger son, Ben, goes missing. And the older son, Vincent, was supposed to watch him. Now, mind you, these are all children. So, okay. And the kid is gone. And the, the next 20 minutes, they're looking for the kid. A local detective by the name of Candy Bliss, played by Whoopi Goldberg. Amazing. But let me say, if you read reviews of this movie from back then, People were killing Whoopi Goldberg for this performance, and what? it's insane. Whoopi doesn't get. Under- Whoopi do- doesn't get. Whoopi got. Credit. Let like, me just say, Whoopi was always, I think, a thorn in a lot of people's sides. I think because of how she came into the business, it was like she, she was a star really early on, and I think it always pissed people off. And I think if you read those reviews, there's such an anger, and I think it's because you know, I think. 
you know, she's a black woman. She's outspoken. It was like people were like out like to we, shit on what we Goldberg. covered. It's really weird. We it's covered really Boys like a weird on the Side on our thing. Drew Barrymore episode. Actually, it's a great yeah. movie and. Good movie. Yeah. That Whoopi Goldberg performance is like one of the best performances of that decade. Like she's so good. And she's mostly good. It's like she wins mm-hmm. for Ghost. I think people basically shun on that win, which is insane because she's the only reason that movie works at all, by the way. But yeah. whatever. So so she's doing a similar thing here where she's like, a, you know, she's like a outspoken detective who's openly gay and like talks about it which is like another point of criticism in like the movie, one which scene is, basically but, but what yeah. i hate is like the critics the in the in the critiques of the movie they're like i don't know why she has to say that and you're like just can we can we just move on from this 1999 for love of god but anyway um she comes in she's comforting um you know beth who is the michelle fiverr character and then cut to years have gone by they never find ben and they're just making it as a family barely it's a fractured situation and then they move to chicago mm-hmm. she williams opens a restaurant with her with his father and then one day a kid ryan merriman star of the luck of the irish which i watched as a kid on the disney channel shows up and is like hey what's up can i mow your lawn and michelle Fever's like holy shit that's my she's like ben. oh my god is this 2018 because she's ben like is oh back. my god and my Ben is back. And also I feel like I'm in the deep end of the ocean. What's happening? And so <laughs> sure shit. Yeah, I didn't think is, it was weird when she said that. She said like, that uh, to the camera. Very yeah, strange. Yeah. And that's kind of, so that's sure enough, very convoluted plotting. Yes, it is a high school, you know, uh, fellow high school classmate who, you know, had a lot of mental health issues, stole Ben at that reunion. Her and the father raised, her and her husband raised him. The husband never knew. His name is now Sam. And the rest of the movie is how do you bring that kid back into your family and how does mm-hmm. that work? Now, Ulu Grosbard directed this movie, who you never hear about, but is was a very amazing theater director and producer who I think the thing about Ulu Grasbard that people should know is he got incredible performances out of his actors, mm-hmm. right? Like just incredible, right? Mm-hmm. The subject was Rose's straight time with Dustin Hoffman. Um, who's Harvey Kellerman? Why is he saying bad things about me? Not a great movie, but Hoffman's in that as well. True Confessions with De Niro and Duvall, super underrated Falling movie. in Love, which we covered on our Merrill Falling episode. in Love, we covered yeah. Merrill and Robert De Niro. My God. Love that movie. So was, Love he was that always, movie. That, does that movie fucking rule? It's, it's a great so movie. romantic. It's so oh. good. Yeah. Oh, anyway. So so point is, maybe not, maybe not, you know, James Cameron in terms of his like dynamism with the camera or whatever, yeah. but really knew how to find the performances. And mm-hmm. I will say this movie got a lot of criticism. It, wa- it was a flop. People did not like it. I do think you're seeing in certain scenes, some of Pfeiffer's best work. Definitely. And I think, and it's why I think it's why the movie stuck with me even when I was a kid. Cause I think it's like, and I think this speaks to Pfeiffer as a performer. She always is taking roles like this that are like, high wire act roles mm-hmm. like well you're you're, it, you're going to her and you're saying play this role of like she loses the kid right mm-hmm. right like, Obje- and like, like objectively it, too she like, loses the it's, kid right? right it's like she yeah, really yeah. fucks up okay yeah. and and i guarantee you treat williams is great but i guarantee you like seven high profile actors turned down that role because they had to play 
like down to to to, to a better role, quote unquote. Yeah. And Tree Williams is also incredible, yeah. I think. And it's like they are very good, and their fights feel very like from a real place. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just interesting. I think it doesn't really come together. They changed the ending. Yeah, which I think was another point of contention from the book. Okay, I think Ryan Merriman fits and starts. He's a young actor. I don't think it fully works. I think Jonathan Jackson, who was really popular back then, is actually really Tuck, good as Tuck Vincent. Everlasting himself. Tuck yeah. Everlasting. Tuck himself. Yeah, he's very good at. I think actually <laughs> yeah. incredibly good as the older son. Actually, and, Veronica, um, as I said that, it seemed like memories just like washed <laughs> over ever. I know it's like I'm the perfect age for that to mean a lot. Yeah, talk ever. Yeah, that movie. I mean, the, the well, story, I suppose, is the one I was that's like an early story, right? Like most kids read that story, I bet, right? Still, I don't talk think so. I don't no, I don't, I don't know. Oh, I read it. Yeah, I read it. That I was, a big, that was no, a big one but... for me. That stuck with me. Yeah. That in the as the a beam. father you would know now. Well, you know well now I'll tell you and give me seven years or five years. I'll tell you. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I think it doesn't fully work. What did what did we Veronica? What, what was what did you take away? I guess from this one, the well, deep end of the ocean. I totally agree that Pfeiffer is doing some of her like best, most memorable work here, and it really starts from the moment that she like emits this strangled cry like in the lobby in that first five hours um as someone who's watched just innumerable law and order svu episodes that begin (laughs) in more or less this way i feel like i've seen variations on this where oh my god you were just here he's wearing a little red coat type of things like so many times um and i also love a story where a kid comes back And I really expected before I watched the film or as I was watching it for there to be more, um, is he our kid? Because that's usually the kind of mystery, right? Is like, yeah, is that my kid? Like like full the imposter. You know, would I even know? And then is, is he coming back so late that there's, this is actually a manipulation of the family that's grieving or something, but very speedily, that is not the mystery of the film which and i it's, like you know yeah. it's not even a mysterious film at all yeah it's um, not it has the tendency or it has the ability to be salacious and kind of avoids it yeah, yeah they're just like same fingerprints so that's actually your kid even though he lives around the corner and you randomly moved to chicago even though you said you weren't going to so right. it's this that's the mystery is this like wild coincidence um, but then I do think it's like more about the marital strife. And I totally yeah. agree that that negotiation of like, what is it like to be with the same person for so many years? And um, in one of the fights, she says, you don't know me, not anymore. And it really it feels so uh, authentic to some kind of experience, you know, so much so that I feel like it. it's not often. And I agree. Like, I don't think the movie is the sum of its parts mm-hmm. necessarily. I think, I think what you run into but, is like, you don't, it does the last 25 minutes. You, it doesn't you really, stick the landing at all. Oh, really keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the last 45 the last, like, 40 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah it's really just, boring. Yeah. You kind of <laughs> lose it where it's like a basketball game between Vincent and, ben and then becomes like Vincent important. goes you know, it's to like jail things that don't, and it's, and even yeah. and to the point where it's like, it, it's very, I mean, look, if you want to like teach, I feel like you could teach this movie. And be like, I'm sure in the book that basketball game is rendered beautifully. Sure. Right? And like, if you're reading it, you're like, oh man, yeah. Yeah. And you know, maybe blame it on Grosbard, maybe blame it on whatever the editing, what have you, the studio notes. It just doesn't 
it doesn't matter enough, you know? No. Yeah. And I think what I do, what I will say though, and I think this has nothing to do with the parents actually, and I forgot about this. And I was like, I will say, I like that. And this is maybe a credit to Grosbark is like, it was so, I think so underplayed is when Jonathan Jackson's like, he's like, I, lo I lost you. Like I, I said, it, get it, lost. Yeah. And, and you, and you like the whole movie, <laughs> you see it in his, he's how he's like, it's like sitting on him. And I think yeah. that's why it's actually a great performance. Yeah. And like kind of like, Teenagers, teenagers like don't give performances like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it really is like Shalane Woodley and the descendants is like the only thing I can think of in my mind where it's yeah. like, where like you can just feel the weight of life. That's a in great a that reveal. Yeah. 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 And then like he says it to Ryan Merriam and to Ben and, and Ben in a younger kid way really absolves him. Oh my God. In a way He's that, so mature. Yeah. Oh, and, His and I fake was dad like, did such a good job he, with him. Well, that's, really, that's the other I, kind of... That meant a lot to me, that scene. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, well, that, this is perfect. His like, fake dad, I feel amazing. so, so bad for. Me and too. Also great, me great too. Performance. Well, I got to get yeah. that, that actor's name. No, He's a great actor. It's, well, that, it that's the thing about this movie. It's, it's not the sum of its parts, but the parts, and to your point, Veronica, like, they're so naturalistically rendered that yeah. I can't remember the, and I'm sure it's sooner than I'm, I'm thinking. Let me say, so, John, John Capellos, yeah. he's a character actor. You good, know him from everything. But a, great, a really, really good performance. Beautiful when performance. He, when he brings the, when he brings the, the medical records the, oh, and the, it's amazing. The report cards. It, yeah. It's incredible. Oh. What a, what a scene. The, yeah. But the way that I like, did realize I'm going to have to keep all that stuff. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that seems an example of it. But like, it's also like every convert, every argument between Trey Williams and Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, I can't remember the last time I watched a thing and every side of every argument or conversation, I was kind of like, oh, that's a great point. Like, do you mm. know what I mean? Like, it's mm. ev everybody well, in this is so well yeah, rendered. Mm -hmm. yeah. I totally understand Treat Williams. And I and totally I liked, understand, well, like... I was going to say, I think that's where the, the reviews really ignore that. Yeah. Ignore, yeah. ignore that. And I think that's a shame because I think when she eggs him on and she's like, you know, I, you know, look, we've all been in these arguments, right? Now, obviously, maybe not to that extreme level of like, obviously, my God, losing a kid, but like of just being like, hey, look, I know you want to say this thing. Okay, mm -hmm. I can fucking see it on your face, mm -hmm. and you're trying to you're trying to like not say it because you're trying to be a good husband or a good wife, but just say it, like fucking say it, so we can move on. And I do love that she does that. And then he says it, and it really, in the short term, it really breaks them. Okay, but you really do get the feeling that it was necessary because yeah. he has to say to her, "Yo, I would not have lost those kids, right? Like right. that is how I feel. Yes, let me tell you well, this. And, that and is what how I, I feel. What I think is so." And it's, no. To, to Pfeiffer's credit, in, even in terms of just navigating the role, is the way the so movie, impossible. Yeah, because the yeah. way the movie frames it is there. It's not. It's never even really a question. So there is this thing of like, you know, even that that scene where Whoopi first talks to her, like she's kind of like, "Look, I know you think you're a bad mother," and she doesn't necessarily like refute it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. you did like. The thing you did is uh, what a bad mother would do, right? Like right. it's not it, without necessarily outwardly saying it. Now I do right. think there's a. I mentioned this to you, Dan. There's like a a frankness to some of this movie that did catch me a little bit off guard, where I kind of was like, everyone's being real rude to each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's just this kind of like 
bluntness to it that i suppose is refreshing but in the moment i was kind of like well look look it like a like a play yeah i think i think there is a a a theatricality perhaps yeah to a lot of his films that you know can be abrasive right where it's like if you're watching live actors perform it live you're going to be more like yeah uh entranced right because you're like yeah. holy shit like they're mm. really acting well like you're like that. hanging like, on every word and i don't mean that to sound patriot i mean that like actually like if you were mm-hmm. watching it on a stage you'd be like <gasps> you know and i think that always doesn't translate on celluloid and and, and whatnot but I think and sometimes it doesn't in this film, but I think when it does, I think like the highs of this film are incredibly high. And it was and more I restrained think... than it could have been, you know? I mean, especially once they they get Sam slash Ben back and he's living yeah. with them and he's unhappy, understandably. And I also yeah, feel so bad for the fake dad. I'm that like, poor, he lost his wife uh, yeah. to suicide. Like <laughs> the fake, I love recently. Him the fake dad. This poor, <laughs> and this then poor he's alone, just fully yeah, I alone. I mean, I just can't even imagine um but it's not like the family they're really hesitant to let him share in the life of their uh like rediscovered son but they aren't you know as aggressive and hostile to him as i feel like they could be in a lesser film and then i love the moment that pfeiffer gets in the car when she drops sam slash ben back off at his dad his fake dad's um (laughs) And she just breaks down in the car and we don't get really the sound of it. We just sort of see her kind of crumple. And it's a great kind of way to do that, I think, giving her that moment. But uh, not as kind of melodramatically as we could have seen it. Yeah, it is. A sh- yeah, it is a shame. It kind of withers away in the, at the third act. But yeah. And with yeah. the melodrama, you know, that mention of melodrama, like I I mean, look, storied composer great body of work but i do think the, oh, the bernstein score is really tough in this it's movie. an absolute travesty it, it really, it's different it's different yeah. than speaking of you know like the other ulu movie falling in love like that's got a dave grusin score which mm. you know grusin scores do a lot they're like a character in and of themselves when he did to kill a sunrise to to be clear so it, you know the the saxophone during the hot tub sex Olympics like really fits really well. <laughs> I, love, I love I love a sax. I love yeah. No, like I love yeah. Dave Grusin scores. Like I think I think they're great. But but point being like that falling in love with the Grusin score like it just harmonizes in a way that is saccharine, but in a way that complements the movie. And I feel like yeah. weirdly, and this is this is one of the last uh, compositions that one of the last Bernstein compositions that makes it to the film, Mm. right? He has one or two after this that basically get rejected. So I think he's, you know, he's coming to the end and I think it just doesn't ever work. And I think it almost really, it really, well, cause it just, it feels, it feels like he is scoring a melodramatic movie when it's ponderous. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when everything in the performances and the way that scenes are structured is like going against that. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I feel like the movie itself is trying to be very like naturalistic. It'd be be better with no score. Probably. Probably The diegetic kind of a sound build. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it does ultimately not that successful, kind of in a weird period of her career, like we said. You know, obviously she'll go on to kind of have, she doesn't make a movie for a long time. She has a failed Amy Heckerling movie called I Can Never Be Your Woman that it does mm. have interesting moments to it, ultimately gets released later on in the in the aughts. Stardust is a, is a highlight uh, about 10 years later, or uh, yeah, 
the 10 years later matthew vaughn film um yeah big recommend on that as we're kind of coming to the end because i know veronica we're keeping you a little a little later and thank you for rolling with us yeah we appreciate it is there anything in her late period Mm. i'm just looking at her filmography that we would recommend where's kira we mentioned is very good she's in mother which look I hate that movie. So she so. knows. She knows what movie she's in, though. She's the only I, one who does. Yeah, I think. I, I, think, that's, I think that's Ed a Harris as the compliment. Yeah, like the two, yeah. Like them together, they. Yeah. She yeah. is so good in Mother. Yeah. Veronica, quick mother story. Me <laughs> and Kelly, my wife, and Connor and Brittany. Uh, we all <gasps> double date. We all lived in New York. Oh. We saw. Yeah. We saw. Well, yeah, we saw. Yeah, we, we. Yeah, well, we, funny enough, we broke your sink because it wasn't braced. No, no. Um, <laughs> we. Um, we all saw Mother, and it was like, let's go see Mother, and we'll get. Yeah, you. it was like it and was like a Saturday. We went to like a Saturday afternoon Mother with let's the thought go see of like, Mother. We'll get, we'll get tacos and margaritas afterwards and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. me and Kelly were like had we disliked the film so much. We're like walking out of the movie theater. We like turned to Connor and like, hey. We're just gonna go home. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing loss of appetite. We just we, we yeah, had, like right. we just the energy was gone. We were like, wow, we got to go sit on the couch. This this wasn't it. Like, and God, bless, I mean, we're close enough friends with these guys. It wasn't like yeah. so terrible. I was like, yeah, I get it. Go home. Like, it's yeah. Fine. Like, <laughs> but yeah, she is great in it. She is um, great in it. Certain. And I I did rewatch What Lies Beneath um, mm. a couple oh, of years yeah. ago, Banger. and it's got so much in common visually with the beginning of Mother when sure. um jennifer lawrence is just kind of in the house and she's like is someone at the door like all of that stuff is what lies beneath in a way that is That's completely true. eerie like yeah. there's sequences where you could just play them back to back and you wonder if mother is this like strange sequel somehow to aspects hmm. of what, what, lies, what beneath. lies beneath yeah i mean well what even does lie the relationship like... of like the relationship of like <laughs> demure wife to genius husband right alone in fancy house type yeah. situation yeah there's a case actually... to be made i think it's kind of a cool double feature and it made like me want to like mother more than i did which sure. was not at all yeah <laughs> yeah but sure. are you like it a little bit more right? i no? i not really i know okay. it's, i like it i like it in the way do you like it more or less than the whale in theaters well, okay more. yeah, more. yeah I, I think i like mother more than the whale sure. yeah. also, i mean look the whale. I don't know. Yeah. To say what, I mean, I'll say uh, not whoa. at all. Still what? better than the whale. Right. Yeah. right. What, is, what is there to the say? Movie about the movie. I would. I my feelings like... towards mother, and I like the movie I'm about to mention more, but it's it's a similar kind of appreciation. Quantumania. Is I I would equate it to a movie like Babylon, both Paramount movies uh, actually, just oh, just okay. in a way of like what a piece of insanity that mm-hmm. that that one of the most storied studios in the history of Hollywood greenlit and gave money to and released why so that i can sure i'm yeah i'm pro mother in that regard like i would rather 15 movies like mother than you know uh, yeah i will say uh friends french exit is an interesting french exit's fun yeah yeah as as old jacobs uh very good michelle fire sneaky kind of also like a sneaky small but great tracy letts performance uh, in french exit so I mean, there's some stuff there. I mean, obviously, like we said earlier, she doesn't do a whole lot. Um, you know, obviously, famously married to what the third most successful television producer yeah. in the history of the world, David E. Kelly, right? And so, so funny to think about Ally McBeal as a kind of like version of her, 
you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, sure. Sure. Yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, right. at least Weirdly visually, enough, you know? Her her Midsummer Night's Dream co-star, Calista Flockhart. I know. Which is right. And the, but then she plays right. Ford's wife in What Lies Beneath. Callista Flockhart, you know, it's just all this oh, weird. Oh, like, yeah. Callista yeah. Flockhart's married to Harrison Ford. I always forget. Tangled yeah. Web. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Wow. So that's kind of it. I think we, we, we most of the highlights, incredibly interesting, um, you know, incredibly interesting actress, obviously has proven herself to literally be, you know, a living legend now to the point, like we talked about that, like, I, I think most people are like, when is she going to win an Oscar? Yeah. Is she going right. to make enough things to win an Oscar? Like, Maybe she won't, right? She's yeah. got hope, you know, God willing, plenty of career left. Yeah. Um, and it would be interesting to to see what comes of it. I mean, look, not to be, I mean, look, all the all the Marvel jokes aside, Angela Bassett is about to win an Oscar right, for, and I mean this with all due respect, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> She's great in it. So good, but Wakanda Forever, R.I.P. Chadwick Bozeman, no disrespect, is a travesty that's okay angela bassett is very good in it and she is about to win an oscar for it so hey Paving what do i know so yeah. i'm just yeah, happy all, to be all nominated bets are off is your point Who, like, my point yeah. is she, piper might get nominated maybe she has a killer scene in this movie yeah, i don't know right. um it's a new it's a new dawn right fingers the love, crossed the, the love fields there are no more love fields. There are only now <laughs> other movies. Um, Veronica, remind us just where you are. Tell us Bright Wall Dark Room. Tell us all the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I I have some writing and stuff at Bright Wall Dark Room. And the Bright Wall Dark Room podcast is at the BWDR podcast on Twitter. There you go. And Now we should yeah. say you, you defended vanilla sky brilliantly recently oh thank you mm. i really so appreciated your dm recommend. slide about that because i felt very <laughs> Love <a> DM slide. <laughs> very outnumbered unexpectedly I on know. my own podcast yeah that was kind of and i'll say made for great listening oh good good just because it was because i've listened to enough episodes where i was like a little like shocked kind of because i was like because it was chad right chad yeah yeah chad. Right? he was like he was like I, I used to love this movie. And you're like, okay, cool. And then he's like, and now I don't like it. Twist. And like, and I, I was know. Like, oh, shit. I know. And I think the twist was meant to be me because for some reason he thought I had agreed to do it, even though he knows I'm like a diehard Tom Cruise enthusiast. Sure. Um, that I didn't like You the should film. listen to you some other like episodes it. of our you podcast. For oh, 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 I have. I'm well aware of your cruise apps. Oh, believe the cruise me. apps. Yeah. <laughs> but so, but yeah, I mean, Suffice it to say, Vanilla Sky, weirdly important movie for me in my oh, young yeah. life. Me too. I always reference it was the first time, I mean, this is funny to say this, but it's the first time I listened, the first time I really heard a Radiohead or Sigaroo song. For sure. So important. So for me, that was, there, a lot came from that. Formative so even needle if drops, it was the definitely. Worst movie ever made, and it's not. I would it's be, not. I would love it. Yeah. But um, I'm real. I'm real. I'm real. Kurt Russell, great Kurt yeah, Russell great, a great Kurt Russell performance. Really a great good. They got his hair right um, in that one. Yeah. Hell yeah. Playing, literally playing Atticus Finch. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So, yes, Bright Wall, Dark Room, check it out. Great podcast, great writing, great writing. Yeah, we should say, really, worth, like, check out the writing. I read a lot. It's very good. Oh, thanks. You can't recommend it. We'll link to everything in the article for the podcast. Um, you can find me at, at DJ Mech, of course, uh, at Fathom Stories, my little short story podcast. Every month or so, we do a podcast. Um, it's like a six-minute story, one coming out. If you're listening now, there probably is one, a new one you can read. That would be the first of 2023. 
And Connor, just give us a little wrap. Give us a Pfeiffer-esque deep end of the ocean wrap up yeah well you can find uh me on twitter at scruffy looking you can find this podcast on twitter and facebook and soon to be letterboxed uh at tfs b-side um oh yeah compiling all yeah we're yeah. we're in the process of just kind of catching up and compiling all the movies we've covered on our letterbox it's all list, on so the webs it's on the film stage but yeah on yeah, the letterbox but, but, good, yeah but but we're branching out into, into letterboxd so just so we can change the posters you know that's the whole reason why oh yeah and why does it why does anybody else do it? uh no but uh, you can catch us there um coming up we have the last of our uh, audience choice picks from 2022 we'll be doing speaking of vanilla sky it's not one of our b-sides but we're doing the b-sides of one cameron diaz Ooh, uh, so yeah. that'll be that'll be a fun episode excited for that um and yeah that will be will be a weird it's episode. gonna be yeah, yeah we have uh, our dear friend Cam, Cameron did some weird ones <laughs> I mean, really our dear friend work. Mitchell Beaupre is gonna return for that yeah, one yeah, speaking yeah, yeah. of Letterboxd so yeah that'll be a fun episode keep a lookout for that um and yeah the you know as we await Michelle ultimately winning her Oscar someday it, it's gotta happen because as we all know you gotta pay the Pfeiffer Oh God! I, how did I not think you were going to do that? Perfect. Wow! You gotta pay them money for it. And now you're listening to the B side.